Griff, Griff, Griff. What is up? Welcome to Take This. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm here with Griff Sutton. Griff and I here to break down the latest in sports. Apparent. <laughs> yeah, in case in case Guess people that, didn't know what your name was off the bat. Apparent. In case that wasn't immediately apparent with the uh, you know you trying to uh, Beetlejuice me into existence. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, exactly. No, no, I'm good, Brad. I'm good. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, as good as I can be. Um, obviously, not a great weekend in terms of being a Michigan fan. That's okay. Um, That's okay. You'll get through it. I promise. We'll talk about it. Um, other than that, I'm good. You know, ranking the new year, work starting back up. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, but. You know, things are, are going good. No complaints. No so. complaints. Well, and, and I got and the Michigan State basketball game on, so that is that is always good news. We're always, we're always you know, we love college basketball in January. You know me. Um, I've actually been getting into getting into quite a bit of hoops. I'm never, I've never been a hoops guy. I'm 5'7", so I don't really care, you know? Like, I uh, never aspired to be, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm represented. Which was never my thing. Yeah, it's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, Griff, we got um, some Michigan stuff on the agenda today. We also have, uh, what, do, what do we got going on here? Um, we got the Lions to talk about. Lions That's, that's exciting. We're talking, about the, we're talking uh, specifically about, you know, what's coming up and why the Lions. Sorry, my stance. Very squeaky today. Anyway, That's okay. and why the Lions are not uh, like the Jets, the Jaguars, the Giants. Teams that have teams that are basement are also in a rebuild and and also have been at least in lately um, have been in the gutter. And basically, we're, I'm going to talk about why the Lions kind of aren't in that position. And um, you know, we were going to talk about this last week, but there was a great article that came out today. Um, from the ringer, um, they do, you know, they do a variety of different, um, <clears throat> pub, you know, the public, uh, you know, sports tech and things like that. They, you know, right, report right. on a lot of things, but they have a sports, uh, subsection. They put out an article, uh, today about the Detroit lions and why, you know, we should be hopeful, uh, for them. So, uh, it really was perfect timing because, you know, it really echoes a lot of the sentiment I had written down uh, in last week. So, um, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, we also, you know, of course, got who you got later uh, in the show. And then we have a new uh, betting segment to introduce. So lots of exciting things to do today. But first, we got to start with uh, we got to start. We got to start with Michigan. Now, here's now here's the thing. All right. Michigan came into georgia do you know what they did they dropped an l griff they dropped an l and not only did they drop an l but they did not they didn't come to play um the still a good season still still an still an all right season uh they lost 34 11 best season best no no no. i know i know i know best season best season since 1997 a lot of flags on the play because you're gonna you know what you're going to do, Brad? And I knew this is, I know this is going to happen throughout this segment is there's going to be a lot of little jabs thrown in, in there. There's going to be a lot of these little, Oh, it was an all right season. It was an all right season. 
<laughs> what was? How would you define MSU season this year? Uh, listen, li- okay, Michigan State was. I, I understand I, there's different expectations. I'm, but what I'm saying is, was it just all right when MSU went to the playoff and got their doors blown up? No, no I mean, and no, it was it was a great season. But here's was, the thing. But, so you go ahead. Are I'll, you I'll sa- are you I, I satisfied with this? Like, are no. you? As a Michigan fan, you should not be satisfied, right? Like you, like, and I know that, like Michigan State, right? Like, like went to the playoff in 24, 15, 2015. and they won the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State. They did all the things that Jim Harbaugh wanted to do. It took him seven years to do, etc. And I know I'm not trying to compare D'Antonio to Harbaugh. I'm not trying to compare. So. Unnecessary. <laughs> Unnecessary roughness. I don't throw in a jab about how D'Antonio did, tanked the program because he was yeah, well, prime. Well, okay, but I know that he did too. Like, I am well aware of that, and I hate him for it. Uh, you, I, you know I'm well aware that Jim Harbaugh has been terrible yeah. up until finally, you know, getting it done this year. Well, right. And so, so, but, but I want to <laughs> explain, and I want to explain real quick about how my – like expectations for Jim Harbaugh could not be lower moving forward. And and I don't know if he'll end up I mean, taking your expectations have gotten lower after this year? Abs- oh, absolutely. And I'll explain why. But but okay. uh, but me, here's here's hear. the thing. And cuz I don't know if it's it's honestly more likely that he runs away somewhere else than actually comes back to the college football playoff. In my eyes, that's how I see it. And and I and I and I know that, and I know that's like shocking to some. And it's like again, like he finally did it, whatever. But it's year seven, right? And like coaches, and this is this is very like like. And I gotta hand it to Harbaugh. Like he bet on himself, and he did it. He he did it. Like he he came out with a pay cut. Didn't didn't come out screaming and hollering, whatever. But comes out and is you know like. He came out to play. Like, he came out and won the Big Ten, did all these things that we said he wasn't going to do, right? And it didn't look good, you know, against Michigan State. Um, you know, but it's it's almost – but when he got to the college ball playoff and as Michigan looked, like, they looked overmatched. And, and again, it was sort of a reality check, and we know how that goes. And no, because no Big Ten team has been able to have success in the college football playoff outside of Ohio State, right? Right. You step outside the confines of Columbus, and you get what Michigan State did, throwing a donut up to Alabama, and you get what Michigan did, and they laid and, an egg against Georgia. And even and I'll say this: even Ohio State, yeah, they won the one year, but right? They they got shut out by Clemson. That that too, uh, that happened too. Twenty sixteen, something like um, that. Yeah, exactly. And after last year, it, you know, in the COVID CFP. Um, I believe it was hold on 2020 CFP. Let me just double check. Yeah, right. That was this was yeah. It was um, that was yeah. Devonta Smith just blew the doors off. Um, yeah, they won 52 to 24 against. <laughs> that game wasn't even like that that close. Yeah. Like yeah, right. okay. They they they. I think. It would have been. I don't know. Well, what and the it, it speaks was. more to the average margin of victory in the semifinal, though, being yeah. n- like twenty points, something like that. And that's and that's. I mean, that's insane. And, and, and I don't know. And I don't want to get into the ways to fix the college ball playoff. Like that's not what I'm here to do. 
um, like today, you know. Um, but is this not like the pinnacle of what Jim Harbaugh can do? You know what I mean? So like if he's here, like shouldn't – goals should be more. So, all right, because we've, we've said a lot of things here, so I'm going to kind of go through and say everything that you – my expectations now for Jim Harbaugh is to you got you have to be better, right? You right. got to you got over the first mountain, but the second mountain's even an even taller climb, and you need to get up it, and you need to do it quickly. And it starts with you need to be back in Indy next year. Like you need to be back in Indy next year, um, and that's going to be hard because Ohio State's going to be better. They're going to have a C.J. Stroud with another year under his belt. Michigan State's going to be better. You have Mel Tucker with another year of recruiting under his his belt. You're going to have you're going to be without two of Michigan's best defensive players in the last in the last two decades. Like, well, and I can't. I also can't imagine that Penn State is as bad next year as they were this year. Yeah, they still got James Franklin. That's well, amazing. yes, if but James, James Franklin does. I mean, again, I I'm not I'm not a fan of James Franklin, but he does have like the the track record and the balls uh, at Penn State to. So for that reason, well, you can. That's lose true. It, that's true. That's true. But I'm just saying that like Penn State has had more good years than they've had bad years, and like uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like a, a few, it wasn't only, it was only a few years ago that Penn State had a winning record and they were in a they were in a New Year Six Bowl, you know, and stuff like oh, that. Know. So it, you know what I mean? But the Big Ten wasn't that good this year. You saw Michigan State benefit. You saw Michigan um, benefit. And I mean, again, like Ohio State, if the Big Ten was better, Ohio State might have another Big Ten loss because again, like they right. weren't as great and they were playing Cape cupcake teams you know from their loss against oregon up until they played michigan they were, they were in a close game against penn state i think you know it was within a touchdown most of the game so right no and i, I agree here's and so that's the thing next year is going to be even harder right um so my thing with and, with jim harbaugh is yeah it, it's always been you know show don't tell prove it put your money where your mouth is if he comes out next year and wins the Big Ten again, beats Ohio State again, preferably beats uh, Michigan State. Can we do that, please? Can we stop losing to Michigan State? Not that like I I know we. It just was like we had we had that game and he coached himself out of a win. That's it was that an undefeated like, season right there. Yeah, going into you know that's that's the difference between us being the one seed. Honestly, right? I mean. Absolutely. Uh, Because you can't, if you're undefeated, you get the one seed, right? Like the the seeding isn't based necessarily on best team. The seeding is based on how good you're perceived, you know, perceived to be and also your record. Oh yeah. And and I, and I've explained this to you before because I, I think that Georgia should have absolutely been the one. I don't care if they lost to Alabama and they wouldn't, again, they would never have done that. Obviously, because you can't. It, I mean, but there's no way the to get past is, that. Even if, so like, even if you put Georgia still at one or put Bama at one and Georgia at two, well, I guess they could have done that. But then Michigan feels, you know, slighted for being three. Well, but yeah, no, right. you're right. Like Michigan being ranked number two versus Georgia three, like it, those don't matter to me. The, this the rank the seeding was 
purely based off we what matchups the CFP wanted and well and it, like, right because you and, there's and, no way and, that and they could have won their Michigan won their conference title game Bama and Georgia didn't so that's why they put them at three I don't it doesn't matter because you're both in the same it's the same game regardless right right it, it, the seating to me isn't a big deal like I will say this well I don't know I'd like to think I feel like Michigan might have had a better game if they went against Alabama. Just because of... Well, Alabama was without, like, two of their best receivers. But they... I don't know. Like, like I was kind of shocked at how relatively close it stayed with Cincy. Like, it just, like I expected the, the Michigan-Georgia game outcome to be the same as what happened with the, with the Cincinnati-Bama. And it was a very wide margin of victory. But there was just some points where, like, Cincy just kind of hung around for a bit. And Michigan was never in that game. They were just, I mean. Well, no, and even though, like, the score seemed a lot closer, like, the issue that I had was with the Michigan game and Georgia. Like, Georgia just gave up. Like, it's not that they gave up, but they stopped trying. You know, like they just, that was you know, they got to halftime and they were like done. Well, no, I honestly think that was Georgia on a bad week. That's how much better they are. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not legit, wrong. So first half, they were on all cylinders. And second half, like, I, th- I do think it was part of it. They were just like, I just want to be done with this. But like, you know, no, you know, no, you don't, you don't take your foot off the gas in the college football playoff. So like, right. for me... It really felt like, you know, Georgia didn't. I don't want to say they didn't play well in the second half. They played well, but like obviously they played worse in the second than they did in the first half. And even with that, it it just didn't matter. So, yeah, it's it's really, you know, with where the the program is at. Well, I think and they do have a very nice collection of young players. I think between Blake Corum, um, Braylon Edwards. Uh, who is a uh you know he was a freshman running back this year he had some fantastic plays this year um i'm very excited to see what he does next year because uh hassan haskins will be gone and i like i love blake uh blake Corum as as a person too dude eats sour patch kids before each game <laughs> i don't know it's just something about that that's just kind of awesome to me that's funny um and he's also a good dude. Like he like used his um, nil money to like give money back to his like the neighborhood he came from, give him Thanksgiving dinners and all that. He's like someone I'm like, oh my god, why can't like more Michigan people be like you, dude? I want more Michigan players and people. Like I don't know, I haven't heard him talk smack about Ohio State, Michigan State. Like sure, behind closed doors, whatever. But like he hasn't been adding fuel to that fire. Blake Corum is what I want more players to be like. Um. But I think the biggest thing for Michigan, one, well, they do get Ronnie Bell back next year, who he is someone that could be, you know, drafted in the NFL as a wide receiver. Maybe not not first round, but he could be a mid-round draft pick, um, especially, you know, and we'll see what happens next year. He has all the talent in the world, and he is an offensive leader on this team. And not having him this year, I when he went down, I thought we were – that was – really what I thought the end of the season was going to be was not having him. And obviously they were able to rebound enough. Um, but no, I think, I think really my, my expectation now is like, you see how far the gap is still between Michigan and, 
and the team, the SEC teams like Georgia and Bama. And we kind of saw, I think it happened with D'Antonio where he, you know, he had a come to Jesus moment getting beat that bad. You finally reached the mountaintop just to get kicked right back down. And I think, you know, and from there we saw the decline of with D'Antonio. And I'm not saying like him losing that game is the reason of the D'Antonio decline. But I think it messes with your psyche to a certain degree. And I think the same thing very well could happen to Jim Harbaugh, especially because it took him seven years to do it and to not even show up in the game is a is a tough scene. And so really, I mean, I guess if he's back next year, you know, if he doesn't go to Vegas, like is being reported, but, you know, it's reported. Rumors are rumors, right? Well, I mean, and these seem to have a little more weight to them, but it's a wait and see. I'll wait until there's something a little more. Right. And, and well, and, and there's more people talking about it now, but I mean, again, we won't get into that. I don't like to speculate things like that. And again, cause well, and I think it's, I think it's because now the narrative really fits for him to leave. Right. Cause he, you know, he did, he, he got to that and, and he, yeah, I mean, yeah. Go cause on. like, if you think about it from Jim Harbaugh's perspective, like what more can he do? Like from you know what I mean from Michigan because he did what That's you asked him to do you he, just he met he, the goal if if he if he leaves I'll say this it tells me that he knows he can't get to the Alabama Georgia level and right. he didn't want to and I think if you're a Michigan fan you can be happy with this year I was and people were talking about like oh what do you what do we need for Harbaugh to stick around what do we need to be satisfied with him and sat. And I just, my thought process was up until the game Saturday was, I'm not thinking about that right now. We'll cross that bridge. I'm enjoying the fact that we finally have gotten this far. And now that it's over and the ride has ended, you know, and it ended the way that it did, I'm not satisfied with beating Ohio State every year and winning the Big Ten. I want a national title. Well, and, and even like doing it I think once. For Michigan fans, what? Like, do you think that Harbaugh could repeat this? Like, do it again. Do you think that he could do it again, get, like, in the next two years? Just getting so, – Get if, to the college football playoff. Michigan wins the Big Ten, they go to the playoff, right? Like, that's right. a foregone conclusion. Right, of course. So do I? Basically, you're asking me, do I think Jim Harbaugh can win the Big Ten again? Yeah. I mean, he's done it now. He's shown he can beat Ohio State. And – I mean, let's not get it twisted. Ohio State. Okay, but like Ohio State, like, because my, here's my issue. And I've said this about Michigan and and you've heard this opinion before, but like, like Ohio State is, is on a down year, correct? Like two losses for, this is a bad year for Ohio State. Like this is. One of the losses is is to us. They were. Right. Well, of course. And then, well, right. And they were a one loss team coming into that game against Oregon. And a lot of that had to do with some defensive strategy that. Um, you know, might have gone elsewhere if they would have, you know, fixed tuned that up. But like, I think because that's that's my issue, right? Is that um, like I want like my team to be able to beat a team when they are, I guess, like at the top of that game. And I don't know how I don't know how like reasonable that is to expect. You know, because, like, I don't want, like, as someone who who would root for Michigan State, I don't want Michigan State to be good 
when only when Michigan is bad. You know what I mean? Like Michigan State benefited. Like Michigan State has a winning record. They've won 10 of the last 14 because Michigan had a rough coaching transition. You know, you you get into you get into the nit, nitty and gritty of that rivalry. Really, it's really it's Michigan was strong. They won the they won like for six or seven straight years, and then they lost a bunch because of that, because of Rich Rod, because of Brady Hoke, and then you had Harbaugh come in who sort of stabilized the rivalry. But then Michigan State was down because that was only in 2015 that Harbaugh took over, and 2015 was the last year that Michigan State saw success up until this year. And so, like, you know what I mean? Like, I want, like, my team to be competitive even when, you know, like, I would want, like, as a Michigan fan, I would want for the for it to be at least 500, like, go both ways, you know, be a competitive so, rivalry. I'll, I don't want to this, beat the right? team when they're down. I, I think that the narrative that Ohio State was the only, like, to say Michigan only won a game this year against Ohio State because Ohio State is on a down year, I don't think is correct. I mean, is that's this totally one, fair. One of, is this one – is this – it's it's one of the less ta- – like, I don't know what the word is that I, I want here. I don't want to say less talented because there's a shit ton of talent. It's a, well, it's a refresh team, right? It, like, like it's, it's yeah. sort of is like, it you know, it's a stopgap team. Is it one of the most inexperienced – yeah, but they also have three NFL receivers right. on their team. Well, and Michigan did look impressive Heisman in that game, to be fair. Like, Michigan didn't just squeak out with a victory. Michigan came in there and right. totally down. You play that game ten times, they and Michigan win, wins nine win of them. Just like how if Michigan-Georgia replays, Georgia wins that game a hundred times out of a hundred. I don't the think Michigan it's... Michigan-Ohio State game was... Well, yeah, but I don't the think Michelle's that that game is the same. I think that I think that Ohio State would win that game one out of ten times. I think that Georgia would win it a hundred out of a hundred. No. We because you know what our offensive line did. It we lined up and we said we're gonna feed you pizza, but I don't want pizza. You're getting fed pizza, and we and we kept doing it and we kept doing it, and there was nothing they could do to stop it, and. And that was, and you know what it was, and it's this kind of brings it back to the, the, the Michigan Georgia game. It was, it was coaching, and it was scheme, and it was game planning. Harbaugh spent, you know, half of his resources this season were spent on this game or on the Ohio State game, right? And that's right. the biggest reason why they won it is it was it. The he played it so the personnel was a mismatch, right? So he could always. You know, so the running game was just could do what they wanted as much as they want. So even when Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State showed they could score. And that was the other thing on defense. They kept the ball in front of them. They didn't give up the big play. Like, yeah, Ohio State. I mean, CJ Stroud threw the ball all over the place and got a ton of yards, but they didn't let him score a lot of touchdowns, held them to several field goals. It was a great game plan. And then we saw what happened in the Georgia game in the CFP. Georgia completely, completely schemed uh, us to have all of our weaknesses front and center. We have an elite pass rush with a secondary that, you know, has been used to quarterbacks being pressured all season and having to, you know, throw the ball quickly. What does Georgia do? Quick passes to allow the, the pressure to get home quick passes into open space into the flat into the in uh into like dump offs 
And then occasionally you open it up to the deep play because now you keep by doing all those short passes, the secondary has to keep crowding the line, crowding the line, crowding the line, and then you just blow past them. It was fantastic personnel uh, selection to to go against our uh, Michigan's personnel. It was a perfect play calling. It was perfect game design. And Michigan had no response. And that's kind of why. I mean, that's it's exactly why we lost. And you know, they were overmatched from the beginning. I think on you know the talent mis- def- deficiency between the two was significant, but I I think it was also the coaching. Like I think they were in a spot where they couldn't run the ball, and they had to rely on Cade more. And Cade had to make balls big. You know, didn't have as good of windows as he normally has because. You know, they couldn't run the ball, so they knew the pass was coming, and so he threw two picks. And that's not saying it's necessarily his fault, but he hasn't had to... He's made big-time throws, but he hasn't had to throw it, you know, 40 times in a game to win it, right? He's not, He hasn't had to do that this year. Even in the Ohio State game, he made... He had to make a f- several good throws at key moments, but he didn't need to make... 40 and be the and be the the focal point of the offense whereas in this game the only chance Michigan had was is is if he did that so to kind of bring this all back down around the center do I think Jim Harbaugh can repeat this yeah I think he could beat Ohio State again um because like I said even though we're losing obviously several players to the draft and that being Hutchinson and Ajabo I think They've built enough of a foundation, especially with, again, some of the younger players they got um, and more draft, uh, more recruits coming in. I I think they're at a place now where they could start beating Ohio State somewhat regularly. And again, if if they beat Ohio State, unless something crazy happens, they're they're likely going to the college football playoff. So then let me ask you this. Do I think they can make the leap to be competitive in the CFP? No, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is ever going to get there. And that's the thing. Uh, and, and for me, that's not enough. Like, I I don't understand Michigan fans that are like, oh, well, beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten is all that matters. You know, Bo Beckler era football. But that's not what like <laughs> that's not what college football is anymore. With a national brand. Is that really what we've settled? With? Right. That's where we're at. Right. Well, and like, and, and so I have one more question for you to wrap, sort of wrap this kind of up. Um, and I want to talk about JJ McCarthy and I know it's early, but JJ McCarthy and Cade McNamara now, and I know that there's, you know, people did this with Joe Milton and I know people in Shea Patterson, I'm not going to say that Shea Patterson is the same as Cade McNamara. At first I was very confident that he was, but Shea Patterson broke records at Michigan because Michigan's offense was built for him. It relied on him. It was built around him. And right. Shea Patterson was able to thrive under it. Does that mean that Shea Patterson is a great quarterback? Of course not. It. I mean, he overthrew receivers consistently. I was watching a. I. I think I've told you this before, but I was watching him in the Senior Bowl, and he. There was two receivers running both on layered routes. I don't know how. Whatever. So he was running layered routes. One receiver's running under. One receiver's running over. Well, he overthrows the one dude. The dude's sitting ten yards behind him, and and it would have been easier for him to just throw it to the dude instead of overthrowing him. He overshot him. It's an easy interception. 
and just it, it, that sort of stuff happens. It's exactly why he was never drafted and got cut from Kansas City. Just stupid stuff like that. But anyway, not to go on that rant, but so my so I'm kind of skeptical all the time nowadays or more hyper aware of when people are hyping up the backup to be better than the starter. Because when the starter is out yeah. there, I mean there's usually a reason. And obviously this year it was experience, right? Like like JJ's very raw and like that's sort of the thing, right? And it, you know, so freshman. it's more mistake heavy, you know, like obviously like most freshmen are. I mean, even CJ Stroud being a redshirt freshman is not in his, you know, and I would say that Stroud has a higher ceiling than McCarthy. But and, but we don't know. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's hard to say because we, you know, now we've seen what Stroud can do. Well, well, exactly. Can and McCarthy again, we don't know what McCarthy we is. Know. We don't know. But my, so, so. He is an unproven talent. Right. right? Like, but what we. What we want to know. He's, you know, he's potential. That's all he is. So what I want to know, though, is what do you do with them? Like, because you know what I mean? Because, like, at this point, if I'm J.J. McCarthy, I I go to Jim Harbaugh and I say, give me the job or I'm out. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm leaving because, like. It's it's just not worth it to me because he's and, a guy, he's trying to go to the NFL. Well, exactly, you know? absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, he's got he's an unbelievable talent, to, and we know he is. He's trying to to create draft stock, but for him, it's, it's sophomore year. Like it's time to start getting name on the board, and then you know, be gone junior year. So like would, that, if if I were to be a first round pick, if I were Jim Harbaugh. Do you know what I would have done? I would have just, I mean, would this not have made more sense for you to just red shirt? Um, and I don't know if Cade McNamara would have d- declared for the draft after his junior year. Because he's a junior, right? He would be going into his sophomore year. If He's going into his senior year this year. Yeah. So, right, right. So. Senior year. I'm sorry. I messed that up. But so he's going into his senior year. And would he not, like, he would have had more, I guess, like, and I don't know, because they kind of put their offense around the run game, right? But, like, and I don't know that he would have declared for the draft, but I would have just redshirted JJ, and you could have still played him in the important games, like the games against Michigan State, the games against Ohio State, and because I think, what is it, like, four games that he can, he can play in? But... Like, and then just red, so redshirt him this year, which you couldn't have done, and then play him in your in his, his sophomore year, whatever. I don't know if you want to do the carousel then or whatever, but I just don't understand why you don't do what, say, like Michigan State did in, like, you know, their offense, where Peyton Thorne has several confident plays that he can go in in big situations and improve the red zone offense, because that's always been the way they explained to me, is that J.J. is here to improve the offense in the red zone. And I'm like, why? Because you can't pass the ball in the red zone? Like, what are you here for? I mean, I saw Michigan Michigan go like, I can't remember the stat, but it was like one for four or something like that in the red zone against Michigan State. And so Michigan gets the ball in the red zone and they can't score, right? But then JJ gets the ball on a third down and goes to Andrell Anthony in the red zone and it's a huge catch score. It's their first, it's their only red zone TD of the game. And so, like, I'm just wondering why 
you can't just just make your offense better in the red zone. Like you should not need two quarterbacks to score in the red zone. I mean, maybe against a tough team in a certain situation or something, maybe you run wildcat or something screw up the defense, but it's just not I guess like I just don't understand the point of keeping both quarterbacks as they are. Like why do we still not know who the starting quarterback is going into next season? Yeah, I, I think it's – I understand that J.J. has given us, you know, the best – I mean, it's the – or sorry, J.J. Cade has given us the best season Michigan's had in two decades. Yeah, it's 97. Really, realistically, this is the best season since then. Um, so it's like – but he still just feels like such a system quarterback. He feels like, oh, uh, what's a nice, what's a nice comparison in like the NFL? I don't want to say Jared Goff. That's not, that's not correct. He feels like Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe Ryan Tannehill on a good day. Kirk you know, Cousins like, got. Mm, yeah. He might be, yeah, where it's like, yeah. No, Kirk Cousins is great, actually, because lose games. Like a 500 quarterback. Not really his fault. <laughs> well, it's not. Wins aren't a QB stat. Um, well, that's true. Like, Kirk Cousins. I mean, in the NFL, the it factor this. can be a thing, but. The it factor, yeah. So, like, but no, I'm saying, like, the wins, just like Kirk Cousins, especially this year, because he's had, like, a, actually a very, a quietly a very good year. But it, it's. You know, he wins the games, plays well, but doesn't elevate the team to be at that elite level, if that makes sense. That is like the difference between a Kirk Cousins and, you know, the Tom Brady's and Aaron Rodgers of the worlds, right? Right. Like when you watch and, you know, like CJ Stroud like on the field, right? Like when you watch CJ Stroud, you know that he is just yep. different. Like it's just different. Exactly. And again, like I know that he had three so NFL receivers. The reason but. the reason Michigan fans want to move on from J- from McCarthy is because, or from McNamara, is because they think JJ supposedly has the potential to be that, and he absolutely does. I mean, we saw we've seen some flashes from him all season with his arm and his legs, but. I think the people that think that we're a QB away from winning everything, winning it all are crazy. It is a organizational. We are organizationally behind these schools because we are not on their level and we need to do more if we ever want to. Like we need to, we got to do things better. We got to keep improving. So you want to get to those schools levels, win the big 10 next year. And then win it the year after that. Keep getting to the playoff and keep improving because getting to the playoff improves your recruiting. Improving recruiting allows you to catch up. Like, you're going to keep going. If you keep going to the playoff, you're going to lose. You're going to probably keep losing at least for, I would think, another two years. Hopefully, you know, again, assuming they can make it to the next two years in a row. If they can do that, they probably lose, but it's probably closer, probably a better game. At least, you know, you hope. But that's really, you know, their best chance. So, like, is this just the beginning? 
I mean, you know, we hear I've, I've heard a lot of that from Michigan, but it's like, you know, this is year seven of Harbaugh. He's one and five against Ohio State. He's three and four against Michigan State, and he's one and five in bowl games with a terrible, terrible record against ranked teams, especially on the road. Especially on the road, and that's the other thing. You got to go to Columbus next year to win. You don't have the home field advantage. So I get that beating Ohio State was a big deal this year. I'm not taking away from it. It was a great win. It was a great season. But if you want to be a truly great school, you, you know, if you really, you know, this wasn't one of, the, one of the greatest seasons in Michigan football history. We, no, it just, it, you know, is it a, maybe a, I don't know. It's the best one of this millennia, of this millennium. But, you know, it's the best one in 20 years, but in best in history, not a chance. Um. So no, if you if this is truly just the beginning, then you go out and win the Big Ten next year. And if you don't, then I'm disappointed. I expect you to now win the Big Ten every year. So that that's where I'm at. You know, uh, great season. Happy we got here. Sad how it ended. Put up or shut up time. I mean, you, you've had seven years. There's no more excuses. You don't get to go out and lay an egg next year. And I know the school will never fire him, especially not after just beating Ohio State. But I'm done with it. My patience has evaporated. I mean, I don't. I didn't have most that much, uh, you know, invest emotionally much in this team much at all until, especially after the MSU loss, I was really just like stung. I was like, yep, that's it. It's over. I'm done. <laughs> and then they beat Ohio State. The fuckers, they just pulled me back in. Well, and everything, right, huh. and everything was forgiven again. It was to, to, to some it is. I mean, if you look on Twitter, you got some people are like, this is the start of the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, but like still like a 20. I think it's 22. Hold on. Let me pull it up. It is 23 and 22. Jim Harbaugh is including this year, 23 and 22 against power five opponents that have a, a record above 500. Which, like, I don't know, like, if you look at that stat, that's not, that's just, just not, I don't know, that's not good enough. Some bad opponents, and you can't beat the good ones. Right. So, so like, even with this we'll year, because he had the loss uh, to Michigan I State. I'm basically in prove-me-wrong mode, and until then, I'm still going to be skeptical. Like, he's earned a reprieve, right? Like, if he lost this year, it was, I think, you know, I'm pissed he's my coach. But now it's like, okay, I'm f okay with him being my coach because he's earned a one-year cushion because he he right. did what he couldn't do. And now it's, okay, let's do it again. And Well, and now, that, like, I mean, like even right if... On the shit list. I mean, if, like, I, like, that's the thing, right? Like, he sort of elevated himself from the hot seat. I mean, if he goes out and... For a year. And for one, for me anyway, it's a year. Now the school, he could have lost this year, and he wasn't getting fired. It it didn't matter. But, but yeah, it really it just you know go out and beat Ohio State next year, and if you lay another egg against Ohio State or lose to Michigan State again, then hey, guess what? You're right. If he back loses to Michigan State again, I don't know what you do. Like I mean, that's I think that's the game that I would be the most concerned Michigan about State because adds I think an extra ten million onto Mel Tucker's contract. Well. <laughs> That's Be, what I well, would do. Well, because like, you know, again, I mean, again, like, and we don't have to get into this now or whatever, but like, it's just, it's just so weird to me because like, uh, 
Like the Michigan State thing, I think, is what would bother me the most right now if I was a Michigan fan. Because, like, you have Ohio State and, like, you beat them, right? Like, you did it. Okay, like, cool, right? But, like, if, if, if Michigan State, if Michigan goes out and loses to Ohio State next year, and I'm not saying loses by, like, a shit ton, you know, like, losing by that, like, a lot, that would be, that's something else. Like, you can't lose by 20. You know, but if you're competitive in that game and you lose, okay, fine. But if you lost to Michigan State that year, that's that's a no-no. Like, you can't do that. Like, Michigan, if they're in Ann Arbor, there's no reason for Michigan to lose that game. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's all That's all I'm going to say about that because I think that Michigan State right now should mean more to Jim Harbaugh than Ohio State just because he's done that. And, like, again, you're 3-4 and four against – you can't go 3-5 and five against your in-state rival that you should be obviously better than. Like, they are a secondary rival to you, you know. All right. But, anyway, let's get into the Lions, Griff, because we – I want to talk Lions. I've been waiting since last year to talk about this because I am – they haven't. Weirdly enough, I'm not as jaded about the Lions as I am as about Michigan. But that's probably because I've had Jim Harbaugh for seven years. Like if I don't know if if Michigan went out and got a new coach, I'd probably have like sort of a revived sense of fandom. But just because it's something new, even if it's not great, it's just at least something new. There's it's hope, right? That's what a rebuild gives. That's all you can live off of, and hope is better than despair, which is like. The Lions 2020 season was despair because you knew Matt Patricia was a dead man walking and you just knew it was going to be bad. And but there wasn't anything building towards because you still had to tear everything down in the offseason. At least now. This is the hard part, right? It's this season is the hard part for a rebuild because this is the season where you have to just be shit because everything's gone. You've teared the entire team down to its studs. You're you've only have the small makings of, of a foundation and you have to build the rest. So basically I just want to talk about, you know, lines are two, uh, 14 and one. Does that add up Two thirteen and one, Two thirteen and one. Um, and they will be, if green green made, it sounds like it's playing their starters this week, but even if they play backups, um, I'm pretty sure the Lions are losing. They either if they even if they win or lose, they've secured the number two overall draft pick. Worst case scenario, if if the Lions lose and the Jaguars somehow beat the Colts, even though the Colts are playing for a playoff spot, so probably not going to happen. But if it were to happen, the Lions have the number one pick. Either way, number two is so what is damn good is the um uh is the is the Jags schedule like harder than the Lions or is is that yeah, what it well, is, they, or is it have, easier? We have the tie. Oh uh, well, yeah, but like, who? What's a tiebreaker? Isn't it strength of schedule? We well, we can't tiebreak unless unless we. Oh, lose I see what you mean. Tie. We literally have a tie. Like we literally yeah. tied Pittsburgh. I I'm sorry. So unless Mobby. the Jaguars tie, but even if so, okay. Actually, I'll tell you this: if if we were to tie, or sorry, if we lost and went to. 14 and one and the Jaguars were to tie against the Colts and also were two 14 one. The Jaguars still get the number one pick because they had an easier strength of schedule, which means in, if you have an easier strength of schedule and you still lost that many games, like that's the, that's the mindset. Basically like you faced ha so many bad teams and you still lost this much. 
Whereas the other team's yeah, like, well, right. yeah, you lost a lot, but you went against better competition. Like, the Jaguars well, went against the Texans twice, you know? Right, right. Well, yeah, exactly. We went against well, and- the entire AFC. We went against the AFC and – or, sorry, we went against the NFC West and the AFC North. Yeah. Which are both, like, records-wise, those are very good divisions. I mean, yeah, I mean, we think we went against the Bengals – who are at 10 and 6 when it's the Ravens and uh, Steelers who are 500. We went against the Rams, we went against the Cardinals, even though we beat them. But still, they add to the strength of schedule. Well, so, what's funny yeah, is it's not that different because Jacksonville has, they played their, their NFC team, their NFC division was, they were facing the NFC West. So that's interesting. Yes, but... But, but we they got the... to face Houston. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Their division wasn't didn't do them any favors. Well, I guess it did them more favors because now they get the draft pick. Yeah. So, anyway. So, unless we lose – sorry, unless we lose and the Jags win, we will have the number two pick. We can't lose the number two pick. That's all that matters. So, yeah, I think depending on how this offseason could go, the Lions could realistically be playing meaningful football games in the month of December next year. And by meaningful games, I just mean, you know that graphic they put up in, in the games and you see division winners, wild card, and you see the in the hunt. I think the Lions have a realistic chance to be in the hunt, if not a wild cards, uh, like a seven seed slot next year. Here is my reasoning. First of all, let's talk about what the team has now. Dan Campbell. Let's talk about what he's really good at. He is an A-plus motivator and leader. And I know, you know, these are professional football players. They got to play hard. You know, they're trying to make money. But you have to realize that Dan Campbell gets a certain... He gets a certain... He he garners a respect from his players. And that's a big deal. We saw what happens when your players don't respect you. We've seen it with Urban Meyer. We saw it with Matt Patricia here in Detroit. We're seeing it sort of happen with Joe Judge in New York on the Giants. And, you know, being able to maintain those guys' respect, maintain the energy, maintain their focus, even when you're 2-13-1 and 13 and one, and they're still coming out and, you know, playing meaningful, even guys who are veterans, guys who, like, Penny Sewell, well, yeah, he's a rookie, so he's still trying to prove himself. I won't use him as an example. Taylor Decker, playing very good football. He's under contract. Uh, Tracy Walker, who is younger and still has something to prove, he's playing very good. Uh, you know, we have guys like, uh, ha, ha, I can't say his first name, Vitai. He's one of our guards. He is a veteran in the league, and he is playing very well. And the other thing is, he knows what kind of guys he has, and he knows if he can't get the buy-in, he knows they have to go. They cut Jamie Collins in the middle of the season, a guy who they, you know, was a was a remnant of the Patricia era, because he couldn't. He is a football player that couldn't exist in a world, in in an ecosystem that wasn't New England or wasn't run like, like New England, where you get, you know. He couldn't motivate himself. He had to be constantly like yelled at and go, go, go. Otherwise, he just was so lazy and flat-footed and just not giving his all. So the Lions cut him and he went back to New England, right? Where Because that's where his ecosystem is. So I think 
that is one of the things I've liked seeing, right? He gets a lot of respect from his guys. He garners a lot of respect from the locker room. Um, and he's a good motivator. Like it's what he is good for. He's a leader of men type of coach, right? Not exactly, you know, the analytics genius like a Sean McVay. So that brings me to his decision making. So I, I says his motivation is an A plus. His decision making is a D plus. Now I know all the fourth down talk we've talked about it. The analytics have said to go for it in a lot of those spots. I get it. There's a re. I have it as a D plus. It was an F earlier this season. Let's look at the examples. Double timeout fiasco on Thanksgiving. Not great, Bob. And then the very next play to still. Then this on defensive coordinator too, uh, Aaron Glenn. But like to play, you know, you're up by like two points. I think it was. You either need to stop them so they kick a field goal, or you need to let them score a touchdown so you get the ball. So you either need to you need to just stand right on you know I think the goal to go line was the five yard line four yard line, all of your defensive backs should be staying there, keep everything in front of you, or let them score the touchdown behind you. And for they were had all their guys on the goal line like they were preventing a touchdown when that's what they needed. So like not great. The play calling in the Pittsburgh game, I've seen so many Lions make excuses for that game of the weather, and we had Tim Boyle. Or, or Jared Goff was hurt, and I don't care. If Jared Goff is hurt, then why? Then if he can't throw a football as a quarterback, he should not be in the game. This is why you have backups. Even if, like, I get it. Tim Boyle and David Blau aren't good, but they can throw the football. If Jared Goff can't, then he shouldn't be in the game. Running draw plays on third and long, running a draw uh, like a, a, a halfback dive on third and goal from the nine-yard line in a one-score football game when you were winless. They gave that game away because of Dan Campbell's play calling and decision-making. So, yeah, and even go to the Ravens game. Yeah, it took an act of God for Justin Tucker to kick that field goal, 66 yards, but you kind of put yourself in a bad situation to get there. On you had the ball before that you kicked the field goal to go up by a point instead of being aggressive like you claim you're going to be you just run the ball on third down to make them burn their last time out and then kick the field goal and you gave them like a minute or 59 seconds when we've all seen you know the NFL it's not hard to go down the field in 59 seconds to get into field goal range when and especially when they have Justin Tucker so you could have been more aggressive, gone for a first down to run out the clock, gone for a touchdown to just take a bigger lead to force the Ravens to get a touchdown. So, like, there's lots of things that Dan Campbell has done that his decision-making has been questionable. And I don't like the, oh, well, he's learning on the job. This isn't an internship. This is one of 30. There's 32 of these jobs. That's it in the whole world. And you got one of them. You don't get to learn on the job. You need to be ready to do this. You can't be making simple mistakes like this. You just can't. Not as an NFL caliber head coach. It's not acceptable. Well, and and so, so here's and I want to bring my, this up my, real quick, if that's okay. So, because because I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about, and I know that like Dan Campbell had this huge scandal or fiasco with his like offensive coordinator, or whatever. Because what I don't understand is yeah, why he took over play calling from Anthony Lynn. Like, Anthony why Lynn does he feel terrible. the need to do that? 
Like, and I know that, like, whatever. It's not good. Okay, okay, the fine. Offense, Fire him. Find someone to else. To his credit, to his credit, the offense has done better under Dan Campbell's play calling than it has under Anthony Lynn's. I mean, but, yeah, you want a game. You want a couple games, you know. Like, I guess, yeah. You're... And, well, but no, but just points per game right. has been higher, yards per game. Yeah. There was a lot of first quarters with under Anthony Lynn's play calling where the Lions had, like, 10 yards in the first quarter. And then, you know, after, I think, two weeks of Dan Campbell at the play calling, they actually started to have offensive output in the first quarter. So... I guess, like, the best thing... Because if say, I was Dan Campbell... I want Dan Campbell calling plays. There's... Like I would, there was an article today the, that came out. Mm -hmm. Go on. It, that said, he doesn't know where he stands on if he wants to continue or not. I hope he doesn't. That's not yeah. what you were brought. No, I wouldn't. Do. They need to go out and get a a a a new aged, smart, offensive minded head coach. Someone like an Eric Bieniemy, a Sean McVay type. Like he did not Sean McVay himself, obviously, but someone with that mindset to be right. creative and create dynamic offensive output well because and, and have that person like because obviously that's what they need to do the whole thing with like with just with me because i and i and i and we've been over this before i was not thrilled with dan campbell coming here because of well for a multitude of reasons but the main standout to me was that he's a rookie head coach and when you pair a rookie head coach with a rookie gm technically you know he was an interim head coach for the Dolphins, so he has head coached games before. Okay, well, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but, no, but, but look, here's the, he hasn't had a job anywhere. Head coach is not the same. It's not the same. I so no. he, he is still a rookie head coach, and he. But you just got to remember, he has been the the biggest thing I think that gives me hope in. So, because a lot of the th things I've heard is that he, the decision making is because the team is so talent deficient, and so he's he's saying we can't stop these guys. So fuck it, we're going for it on fourth down a lot because it's the only chance we're going to have is to keep up. Right? But wasn't the issue with if his decision making down the line? Wasn't the issue that he wasn't like I can't I can't remember a specific example, but like wasn't he like kicking the ball or something like that on i remember watching that right with the homeless guy who was the kicker or something like that um oh yeah you know where he just like kicked the ball with for no reason at all and it's like fourth down and like who gives a shit if you don't make it on fourth down because it's not like you're gonna be winning money games anyway and that field goal was out of reach you don't have a kicker etc you yeah, know what I mean? Like, because so, that that's different what people different. liked with him at, at first was that he was very aggressive in the first few weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden he's pulling it back and he's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to like that's ease it back a little bit. If you're going to be, you know, the aggressive, analytical, go for it all the like time. Like they were against the Rams. It was inconsistent. Because against the Rams, they were pulling out all the stops. They were doing the onside kicks. That, they were. That was an example of a perfect, perfect game plan. Right. That he. That was if Dan Campbell coached every. Not saying you have to do the crazy shit he did in that game. He put his team in the best position to win in that game with his decision making, personnel, coaching decisions, all of it. If he coached every game like that Rams game to that quality, I'd have no complaints. If he coached every game like he did the Cardinals game, I'd have no complaints. 
it's the games like the Browns and that. That's why I said I it was an F and I moved it up to a D plus because it's improved. And my hope is that next year, you know, some of his fuck it, we're going for it is going to decrease because there will be more talent on this team. He won't have to feel so nervous about letting trusting his defense or when he goes for it on fourth down, it'll be more favorable because you have better offensive weapons. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Right. So I think the fact that if his decision making can improve, he's got a great coaching staff around him. He's got Aaron Glenn on the defense. He he's going to get poached uh, to be a head coach soon. So let's get the use out of him while we can. You got, um, you know, Hank Fraley, who's our offensive line coach. The off- Lions offensive line has been one of the best in the league, and that's without our Pro Bowl center. And we were without our Pro Bowl le- left tackle for a chunk of the year. He has uh, helped Panay Sewell develop into an all-pro. Uh, like, I know, I don't know if he's going to, he sh- should likely become a, at least a second-team all-pro this year. The only reason he didn't make the Pro Bowl as a rookie is because he just had a rough start because he was at left tackle and then got moved to right. But ever since he moved to right tackle, he has just been a force. And even the guys, the backups, um, um, Frank Ragnow, who our Pro Bowl center, who got hurt, his backup, uh, Evan Brown, has played very well for a backup center. We've had a, a series of different, you know, uh, linemen come into play and, the U- the offensive line has been one of the best in the country. And so you have guys like that. You have Antoine randall who's helping elevate a very bad receiving room, but we've seen Amonra St. Brown, a.k.a. the sun god, because Amonra, Amonra is the sun god, an Egyptian sun god. Great nickname, by the way. Detroit might be a poverty franchise. We have great wide receiver nicknames. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's elevated that, his play. Aubrey Pleasant, I mean, Let's be real. The defense, the the secondary is probably the worst thing about this team. And he took undrafted free agents and turned them into pro caliber players. Jerry Jacobs, before he got hurt, which was honestly just so sad to see, who as an undrafted free agent was playing at a, as a solid starting seat cornerback too in on who who could be a, a second corner on a lot of teams in this league. And those, Court, uh, those teams would be better for having him. Um, Amani Oruarie, who's a third-year guy, he his game has stepped up significantly. Six interceptions this year, one of the lowest QB passer ratings um, when th- when Pete when they throw to him into his coverage. Those are all very very good signs, and it's I think that's Campbell's thing is he has been able to surround himself with the X's and O's guys to allow his team to develop and and play very well. And I think if he can continue to do that, you know, some guys are going to leave and if you can keep replacing them and bringing guys that can keep your team playing at that level, that's also a very good sign. I think the biggest thing is you got to get a new OC um, this off season. So that's the coaching staff. Like I said, I, I'm very optimistic. I need to see the decision-making be better and I need to see a new OC, but everything else has been about as good as I can ask. Okay. Let's talk about the roster right now. Uh, we already talked. I already touched on this little elite O-line. Panay Sewell, fantastic. We have a Pro Bowl center in Frank Gragg now. We have a Pro Bowl left tackle with Taylor Decker. And a lot of good depth. 
Running backs, we have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift obviously has been extremely good. Some injury issues have obviously happened. I don't think he's played a full season yet, but we've shown that Jamal Williams is a great power back that can come in and do the job. And let's not forget, there was a game where both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams were out, and we had a guy, Craig Reynolds, who his nickname was Netflix because he was at home on his couch watching Netflix when he got a call to join the Lions practice squad because of how depleted our running back room was came in and rushed for a hundred yards behind our O line. That's how good our offensive line is, is that anyone can successfully run behind it. So I don't think there's gonna be a lot of situations where both Swift and Williams are out. This was, you know, the COVID issue obviously was the reason why this year, but the fact that we have two, like, I think DeAndre Swift is an elite pass catching back. Like, he can be a, a, an Alvin Kamara if he can stay healthy. And Jamal Williams is a damn good and also uh, is my wife's favorite because he's very funny and likes anime. Um, but he is a very good power back. So that backfield can do a lot on this team. Um did you want to say anything about DeAndre Swift? I thought maybe I think so. He had something to say about the him. only thing that I have, and I know that we had this concern with Hawkinson, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. So my my main thing really was, and I don't see a lot of people bringing this up, but how many like how many years are left on his like rookie deal? Is it is it two? Is it three? On um, DeAndre Swift's contract, so two. This is, okay. This is his second second year. Yep, second year this year. So he would have two, and then there's a, the fifth year option. Okay, which perfect. I don't know if they'd be able to get with him. So here's my so, and I'm only concerned, right? What what are they gonna do if they? You know what I mean? Like if he's gone in a couple years, you know, like I mean, he's a stud. Like love him to death. Running backs are well. You, as you've seen, running backs. I don't think you should like. I love him, but I don't want to pay him. Like I don't want to pay him a lot. You don't pay a running like, back in this league. Happened. Look what happened with with Zeke Elliott, right? Right. Like I just paying running backs doesn't work well. So no, it, it really comes down to. I and that's. Mean, I mean, that's the same thing that I have with Hawkinson, though, right? Deal. That's the same thing that I have with Hawkinson. I think the Lions should trade him for a pick. See, yeah, I'm more worried about Hawkins. Like, if Hawkinson was a George Kittle or was a Travis, I mean, he's create himself value. So, so, so just like the me, the, the Bucks Hawk. are getting with Gronk. So, so that's the thing. It's like with DeAndre Swift, if he goes, I think you can find another running back to fill it. Like, look at Elijah Mitchell this year. You could get a third round running back or a second round running back to replace him to and just honestly, do his job. That's fine. It's better to do that than to sign him to a contract and have his production fall off like what happened with Zeke. Right. You know, like it sounds crazy to keep drafting running backs every five years, but with the way running backs kind of work in the NFL, it's kind of the well, best and they're given it, such a right they're given now, such a short lifespan. Strategy. I mean, that's one of the reasons what you saw like Kenneth Walker the third for MSU. Like, yeah, if I were him, I'd head to the draft right now but with he's the lifespan. Go the first you know the last time a running there's back not much got, that he could do to, to improve only one, his draft stock. Saquon Barkley got taken number two overall, and he since then there hasn't been a running back taken in the top twenty. No, 
because teams know it's value. That's what right. you that's create what value. You're certain like picks. you can a first round pick, you could draft a receiver right. or a linebacker or an edge rusher or an offensive tackle that'll play for you 10, 12, 15 years if you're lucky. Whereas if you draft, you know, running back, you might you're lucky if you can get, you know, like seven years, eight years out. Right. So and and I think so the thing with Hawk is I'm less worried about injury. Like t- he'll have a longer lifespan in the NFL, although he's been injured quite a few times, which is concerning. My concern with Hawk is I don't think he's like there's Kelsey, Kittle, Mark Andrews, those guys, uh, Darren Waller, he's been hurt, but uh, he we've seen him. He can be that guy, right? Like those guys are here. And we were told every, I didn't want to take him at eight. I'll tell you that right now. I did not want to take another tight end at eight. Didn't want him. But, you know, if he turns into a Kittle, then he's worth it. It's just like, is he really going to? So, Hawkinson's like down here. He he is, he's about as good as, like, he's a little bit better than Tyler Higby is the best comparison I can make the Rams tight end. Like he's a better athlete for sure, but production wise. And this year I'm not really like, I get it. Cause the team doesn't didn't really like they kind of knew just cover TJ Hawkinson, but man, like he had games where he got zero catches like that just can't happen. If you're the, uh, supposedly an elite tight end, right? Like it just doesn't happen. And so, I would like to see Hawkinson bounce back. And I think what I talk about the Lions upcoming draft this year, I think they, they're going to. I think he has a chance to actually be very good um, next year. And I'll explain why. Because I do think he's a weapon. He can block fairly well. And he, we've seen the flashes of him being a great receiver. He can do it. It just we haven't seen the production in the last two years. And, you know, Matt Patricia was the antichrist, so I'm not going to hold that against him. And this year, again, he had there wasn't really any other receivers defenses had to worry about. He was the number one threat. He was wide receiver one. And, you know, Travis Kelsey is wide receiver one on, like, the Chiefs. Like, I, when I say that, I just mean, like, he's getting wide receiver one targets, right, as a, as a tight end. But the Chiefs also have Tyreek Hill. So, like, defenses kind of can't just worry only about Travis Kelsey, right? Like, that's, like, the big thing. So, I think between the Hawk and Amon St. Brown, who has, again, been very good this year. He's had a really great emergence towards the end here. We've seen him start to develop, which has been great. He has, I think he's, like, he's a starting slot corner on a lot of NFL teams. Like, that's that's the way I always view it. Is like, would he be a starter on another, like, on a we'll say like a, even a fringe playoff caliber team. You're telling me the saints wouldn't love having a Monroe St. Brown. You're telling me like um, the bills wouldn't like the bills wouldn't take a Monroe St. Brown over like a Cole Beasley. If he was producing as much as he does, like he's very good. And granted he's gotten the volume, which is why his numbers are so crazy, but he's shown that he can, he can be a very good receiver. So having him is going to be great. I think he can be a great, you know, wide receiver three slash um, slot receiver kind of guy. 
On the defense, not as much to look forward to. Romeo Aquara coming back will be nice. See if he can, you know, justify the contract he was given. I think he can. Um, Tracy Walker has had a very quietly good year as a safety. Um, you know, Will Harris is really bad. Who is the other safety on our team? The free safety. He's been awful. So I'd like to see what happens with if Walker can get paired up with a, a good, another solid safety. Hey, remember when we had Quandre Diggs and things were good in our secondary? Remember when we had Quandre Diggs and Darius Slay and they're both pro bowlers? Remember when? And we gave them away for a bag of peanuts. <laughs> how that works thanks bob thanks matt oh i'll never forgive them i'll never forgive them anyway and we have some prospects on defense you know Derek barnes is definitely a developmental player who needs work but he's got like the raw attributes so it's just a matter of can we coach him into being something better as a linebacker you have Ali mcneil and levi orunzurike um Arun Zarike has been hurt, so can he develop and be something? We'll see. McNeil has had a decent, a solid year. You know, nose tackles don't exactly get a lot of hype because they're just, they block up the running holes and get tackles on that. They don't really get a lot of sacks unless you're Aaron Donald. So, you know, from those, we'll, we'll, those are continue to wait and see. But I, I'm very, the first draft went well. They were smart in free agency didn't try to sign anyone, you know, the caps shrunk this year. So they were already in a cap squeeze, especially because of Matt Stafford's contract still being on the books. But now if we look forward into the future, what do we have to look forward to? Well, they're going to have $37 million in cap space in 2022. And they'll have even more in 2023 when Stafford's contract is fully off the books. Maybe you get rid of Trey Flowers, who also has an abysmal contract. The cap, like their cap space and uh, their ability to play with some free agency money is going to be very nice. They're going to be able to bring some guys in. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the things I'd like to see them do this year is sign Michael Gallup. Now, I know he just tore his ACL, but I think he, that's all the more reason to sign him. If if he shows he can recover, you know, you see how his rehab goes, you try to resign, you try to sign him. He is he would instantly, you know, obviously instantly helps this team's receiver room, but he wouldn't be here as our wide receiver one. He'd be wide receiver two slash three. Um, and again, this is more so of volume, right? But a lot of people seem to think, you know, when they think of wide receivers, they think wide receiver one is my best one. Wide receiver two is the second best. No, you, you got to think of wide receivers as, you know, with your scheme. You have the slot guy, the guy who lands in the slot, run the shallow crosser, a ton of yak yards. That's your slot guy. That's Amonra St. Brown. He's going to be able to do that for you. You you have TJ Hawkinson, possession tight end. He can go up and make the big bodied catches over the middle when you need it. Guy who can pick up the the shallow first downs, uh, can occasionally run off a big play, run some people over. Great. You have DeAndre Swift, catch the ball out of the backfield, make some people miss, have some nice screen concepts. That's great to have. Uh, Swift would be like a wide receiver five, you know, because like that's kind of how it would be receiving backs. TJ Hawkinson would be your wide receiver like three, you know, uh, with in terms of volume. Amonra St. Brown would be four. But again, it's it's all just based on that scheme. So what Michael Gallup brings is being the deep threat. 
the dude that can just take the lid off the defense and run right past the secondary. Can you do that every time? God, no. But if you scheme well enough, there's going to be a play where he eventually a safety comes down because he's coming to cover a Monra on the shallow or he's coming to cover TJ Hawkinson on a hook route and he, you bring him down. And then all of a sudden he's got a one on one with a corner and he dusts him and boom, deep bomb touchdown and the deep threat. OK, so you've got your deep threat. You've got a slot. You've got a your your possession catch. You got your possession type, your vertical threat tight end. And you got your pass catching running back. Then, well, let's look at the draft. And this is where the Lions are really going to shine. If they can make the right picks. They obviously have first two uh, two first round picks this year. Um, one from the Rams and our own. The first one is going to be a defensive player. Um, with all of the top prospects, they're all defensive players. We're either going to get... Depending on who the Jags take, I don't think they go O-line. They could, you know, protect Trevor Lawrence, protect that investment. But I think they probably go, you know, Thibodeau. Um, there's a chance they go Hutchinson, but I think they go Thibodeau. And I think if that's the case, we either take Hutchinson or we take Kyle Hamilton, uh, safety. Um, we'll see. I, I'm going to trust Brad Holmes. He's done a good, his first draft has done very well. We've gotten some good players out of it. I have every reason right now to assume he can do it again and he'll make the right pick and his scouting team is going to is going to do well. Um he did well in LA and he's done well here so far. It's that second first round pick that I'm very interested in and I want them to take a receiver. Normally I don't like taking skill positions, but I think this is a year where there's so many good receivers in the draft that they could absolutely do it and it'd be worth it. I want them to take Drake London out of USC based on, you know, looking at mock drafts where the Rams pick is looking like it'll end up and who should be there for us. Obviously, there's some better receivers earlier. I just don't think they're going to be available for us. And again, I'm going off of a guy who fits the scheme well. Drake London is like, I think he's 6'4", 6'5". He's 240 pounds. He's a freak. He's a big dude. He is your jump ball physical receiver. That guy who you can just say, fuck it, he's down there somewhere. Throw it, you know? <laughs> he is the... <laughs> Jaden <laughs> Reed, baby. Guy to go. <laughs> fuck it, Jamar <laughs> down there somewhere. That was Joe Burrow last week. Um, but no, if you can get a guy that you can throw a 50-50 ball to right. when you need him to make a jump ball play, a guy in the red zone threat. So when he's in the end zone, if he's got a fade... Jared Goff can throw a little, you know, a nice little flutter ball, throw it up there and just say he's so big. And if he again, if he's as good as I hope he is, you can throw a ball into 50 50 coverage and feel confident that he's going to come down with it because he's just that powerful. So now look at that offense, right? You have slot receiver Amon St. Brown, big bodied, deep, uh, you know, jump ball, physical receiver in. Drake London. You have speedster, deep threat, Michael Gallup as a wide receiver too. You have Hawkinson, Swift, and you have an elite O-line to let you run the ball and also protect your quarterback. Now, the biggest question mark on now, the so now you have gone from your receivers being depleted to now your offense is elite. Your worst position on the field is your quarterback in Jared Goff. But hey, guess what? When Jared Goff was insulated in L.A., did pretty good. 
He's a system quarterback. You put him behind elite protection on an offensive line and give him five valid, like good options of throwing the ball to, like literally all five of the guys I just listed would be great targets to throw to. One of those five is going to find separation. Now, obviously not all five will be running routes every play, but all five of those guys are going to be able to find space in the field. And Jared Goff just needs to hit him. And again, He's he's an NFL caliber quarterback, right? Like he is a starter, even if he, I don't think he's great. But I think he could thrive in that system. So I think the offense is immediately improved. And then again, you have that first round pick with a defensive player, whether it's Hutchinson or Kyle Hamilton or even Thibodeau, if he falls to you. Um, you have that early second round pick, which again, I think they'll go defense there, probably take a, a safety or edge, whatever they didn't take in the first round. And your defense is now instantly better because it's been so depleted. Now, so that's all the ways that the team is better. Now, the other thing you have to look at is the division we play in. The NFC North could be the worst division in football next year, depending on one massive factor. There's a big if. First... Uh, Let me do the things that aren't ifs. The Vikings and the Bears. Vikings are probably going to fire their head coach. So I don't have a lot of faith in them being very good next year. Even with all the talent on that team, Kirk Cousins could be gone. I honestly think he could end up in like Pittsburgh because they're going to need a quarterback. And I think he could do well in that system um, with Mike Tomlin and all those receivers. But that's just me. So Minnesota could be hot ass next year. The Bears, yeah, they they got, you know, Justin Fields, but they're going to fire Matt Nagy. And the Bears, that could make them better, honestly, but there's also a chance they keep Matt Nagy and the team's just dog shit for another year. So, again, terrible. And then the Green Bay Packers, and this is the big if. If Aaron Rodgers plays somewhere else, which I think he's either retiring or he's going somewhere else. Personally, I think... I feel like the Broncos would be the place for him to go. I feel like Denver is like, you know, pull the Peyton Manning, retire in Denver, win a Super Bowl kind of deal. Um, If Aaron Rodgers leaves, the Packers have instantly, I mean, because the other thing is if Aaron Rodgers leaves, Devontae Adams is gone. See ya. He's not. If he's going to go wherever either Rodgers goes or if Rodgers retires, he's going somewhere with a quarterback. Detroit? No, I'm just kidding. We we can't afford him. But the Packers, with those, those are your two best players, instantly are a less good team. Now, they're still probably somewhat competitive, but we kind of saw what Jordan Love can do when he played earlier this season against the Chiefs, who don't, don't have like a world-beating defense. He scored six points or seven points. So the division's wide open. So when you think of all of these things, there's no reason if the Detroit Lions, if they have a good offseason and Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, they should be playing meaningful games in December. They should be in the hunt. They should be on that graphic. They should be, you know, sitting around eight and seven, nine and six. Be in the conversation next year. If they're in the conversation next year, Dan Campbell is going to have my full trust and support going forward to be in the playoff hunt two years into a rebuild 
and it can be done in the NFL. Rebuilds are quicker in the NFL, but it would be impressive. Him and Brad Holmes would instantly have gained, I think, the love and admiration of most of the Detroit fan base if they can do that next year. And I think, again, I've laid it out as to why I think it can happen. It's just a matter of can they execute and will Dan Campbell's decision-making be better? And I think we'll have that answer in September. After the first three or four games, if Dan Campbell has cost the team one or two wins because of his decision-making, everything I've said is moot. But I'm going to be hopeful and assume, or not assume, but I'm going to be hopeful and, you know, have confidence in the team to make the right decisions and do what needs to be done to win these football games and, you know, be a decent football team next year. Yeah, Griff. Sorry. I was playing around with our, uh, with our thing. Hang on. I messed it up. I messed it up. There we go. Perfect. Sorry. There we go. Anyway, we're back. There we go. Perfect. Um, Griff lions chat over. Great. Um, do you want to get into who you got? I do, because uh, this is this is a very interesting week. Obviously, oh. we got CF uh, college football tight national title game, and a lot of interesting playoff implications this week. Um, and that's kind of what my basis was for the NFL games we are picking. So, uh, want to get into that after this break? Or no, sure. we're doing that now. Never well, let's uh, yeah, let's let's get into it right now, Griff. Let's do it. All right. All right. Yes. Let's start, let's start off, Brad. First, let's talk about the who you got standings. You are still in the lead. 52 out of 96 picks. You have a 54% correct pick rate. I, however, have caught up. Even after all of the even after the Alabama or the Texas Tech money line bet against Alabama, I am at fifty one out of ninety six for a fifty three percent success rate. Woo! It is getting crispy here, my friend. All right, let's start off. National title game Monday night, my birthday. It's gonna be a great. I'm gonna have fun. I love watching the national title game. Um, Alabama versus Georgia SEC title game rematch who you got so I hate I low-key I hate that this one's on here all right because like this one could be the one that like gives you the lead right but because and but it hates it I hate it because so my brain says Alabama my gut says Georgia so I don't know which one to listen to and it's so hard to pick against Nick Saban, but I will, and I'll take Georgia. Wow. Oh, my God. He did it. Oh, my God. He did it. So, yeah. I, so here's, I picked here's against Alabama pick. once before. And it worked out very and well. It, and it worked out so. great. And it was the Texas A&M upset. I don't know that oh, yeah, it works out I say well. I always, That's yeah, fine. Not the Red Same thing, right? I'm just um, kidding. So, my thought process for this game was simple. Never bet against Nick Saban. It's the same. Never bet against Tom Brady. Never get bet against Bill Belichick. You just yeah. don't do it. No. Because it doesn't work out well. Mm-mm. But... Oh, and the other thing is with Georgia, it just feels like 
like what they did to Michigan, like I think people kind of like it's a quick reaction. It's kind of what happened to me last week when I picked Michigan to beat Georgia because I've I only looked at the microcosm of the SEC title game and thought, yep, I they don't, you know, they beat up on bad opponents and look what happened when they went against a real opponent in Alabama. This is kind of a a, a downish year for Alabama anyway, and they looked that bad against them. Michigan can win this, and I let the recency bias bite me in the ass, and I don't want to do that here where I let the recency bias of Alabama looking not as dominant as I expected them to be against Cincinnati and Georgia just obliterating um, Michigan. I just feel the biggest thing that scares me about picking Bama is the SEC title game Bama had to win it. Georgia wanted to win it because Georgia didn't need to. Georgia was in the CFP regardless, although I'm sure Kirby Smart wants to finally, you know, beat Nick Saban. But you don't bet against Nick Saban. Is it like I just think Bama is Bama. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they have some of the better defensive players, and Bama I think has the better receivers. Georgia has a great tight end and some re- a really solid defensive and offensive line. I just think Bama finds a way, as they always do, and they win. I want, but I do want it noted. I will be rooting for Georgia because I hate Alabama. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you think everyone. Georgia just pants my team on national TV? Yeah, but I hate Alabama, and I'm you know go dogs, baby. Plus, right? I mean, I know that Atlanta just won, you know, the the World Series. But that would be so. That would be so Georgia, nice for Georgia. I think people in Georgia and you know the Atlanta sports fans who probably are also Georgia fans, they they need this. Right. Like, let's be real. They need this. Like they've they've you know Falcons twenty eight to three. You know a lot of a lot of choking has happened for them. So when they won the World Series, very happy for 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 people there because like I get it. Cursed sports franchises. I get it. Championship droughts. I get it. So go dogs. I hope they win, but I'm picking Bama as like, that's what my brain says. So that's, I'm going with that. All right, Brad, Saturday night football. This game doesn't really have a lot of implications, but I wanted to pick a Saturday night game because there's two of them. This is probably the more interesting one. Cowboys at Eagles. And you know, it's right. It's division rivalry week. Got a. Both teams have secured positions in the uh, in the in the playoffs. Both have clinched a playoff uh, berth. I don't know exactly what they can do with a win to help their seeding. I don't think Dallas can do much either way. And the Eagles, I think, are are locked in for the sixth seed. Maybe they can move up. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I do think both teams are playing their starters for what that's worth. So, who you got? So, this one's like a hard one for me. It, it is a hard one, you know? Um, I mean, both teams, like, well, the, I don't want to say that the Eagles are, like, they're, it's hard to say. I got to, I mean, I got to take the Cowboys. They've been the better, like, team all season. But, you know, I mean, again, like, the Cowboys have 11 wins. Not something I thought they would do. Um, and again, like you mentioned, the playoffs are kind of already set and the Cowboys might, they've clinched their division, so they can't really do much more and they won't get a number one seed. So it doesn't really matter. Like the, like the Cowboys don't have to play Dak Prescott. Like that does not matter. Right. 
Um, they obviously will, but like, you know. Um, so it's hard to say, right? Um, but I got to take Dallas. I just got to take Dallas. They're the better team. Um, you know, they have a, they are five and zero against teams in their division. Pretty hard to, pretty hard to ask them to lose one. Yeah, no, I'm thinking the Cowboys here too. I think it's just, they're just a better team. The Eagles are, I, I have been doubting the Eagles all year and I was wrong to do it. So first of all, apologies, Eagles fans. Your team is much better than I thought. And I actually think their future is very bright. Um, I do still think they need another year to get some more. You know, they're gonna, they have some good draft picks coming up because um, they own they own another pick that's like in the top ten, I think. So they're gonna be a playoff team with a top ten pick. That's a great spot to be. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think you know, I think their future is looking up, but it's not this year. And I think the Cowboys still win this game. So uh, that's who I got. All right, AFC wild card battle now. Steelers at Ravens. Right. This game has some wildcard implications. Basically, whoever wins this game is still in playoff contention. Whoever loses is out. However, both teams kind of need a lot of things to happen. Specifically, both teams need Indy to lose to the Jaguars. It's a slim shot, but winning this game at least keeps your playoff hopes alive for at least a couple hours. So, or I think they play... Um, during the same time as Indy and the in the in the Jaguars, but what you got to win this game to at least give yourself a chance if the Jags do somehow pull off the upset. So, Brad Steelers Ravens heated AFC North rivalry. Who you got? So I'm really hoping that Lamar Jackson is in this game. I think that if Lamar Jackson wins, it's an. I mean, I'm sorry. If Lamar Jackson is in this game, then it's an easy win for the Ravens. I think that it, because obviously, you know, he's been out, so that's been an issue. Um, they've had a couple other injury problems. Um, you say the same thing about the Steelers. I mean, kind of. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is also questionable for this game. Um, you know, but I don't know. Like, I got to take the Ravens because Roethlisberger, even if he plays, is awful. So, he's, I don't know. Like, and I, again, like watching him play the Browns, like I was like, "Come on, Browns! Like, what are you doing? Like Baker Mayfield, you know?" But again, I gotta take the Ravens. I don't know. Like, just I hate rooting for the Steelers. I hate asking them to do anything because usually, like yeah. you know, Ben Ben is is Ben. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. So you taking the Steelers? I am. Ta- I am taking the Ravens, Griff. I am taking the Sorry, Ravens. This could be Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Right. Don't know if Lamar Jackson is playing. The Ravens just find ways to collapse every week. I'm doing it. I'm taking the Steelers. Old man Ben's going to ride off into the sunset, into old glory, and have his way. Oh, God. Not again. Um... Anyway, yeah, so I'm going to take the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I think just Ben tries to win his last game, and I just don't trust the Ravens for shit, especially if Lamar isn't playing. So, all right, we got the homer pick of the week, Packers at Lions. There is no implications in this game. Packers have the number one seed in the NFC. Lions 
are dead people. The only thing they can really do is if they lose, they give themselves a chance at the number one pick. It has been reported that the uh, the Packers are going to play some starters, but I would imagine that's only going to be for a quarter. This is going to be a preseason game for them. However, that still might be enough to beat these Lions with how bad they are. So, Brad, who you got? So, this is easy. I got to take Green Bay, okay? With or without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the spread is two is is two and a half, all right? Like, I can't, like, I can't imagine that the Green Bay, even without Aaron Rodgers, they lose by less than three. There's no chance. Not a chance. I mean, I can't imagine them losing this game. Um, you know, I actually have this game in, in our, in our upcoming betting segment, but God, I like, yeah, I can't, I can't not take the Packers here. Packers it is. Yep. I'm taking the Packers. Um, I, I just can't trust the Lions. I mean, I get like that they're playing backups and that we are also basically playing backups. Lions might not even have Jared Goff back this week. So, <laughs> yeah, well. Which, like, yeah, like Tim Boyle versus jo- Jordan uh, Love. Uh, yeah, I'll take Jordan Love, even if he's bad. I mean, and plus, the Lions love giving rookie quarterbacks or, or backup quarterbacks uh you know, confidence boosts. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that and just close my eyes and take the Packers. Plus, you know, I'm still hope, hoping we get the miracle um, and the Lions can somehow get the number one pick, even if it is improbable. Okay, so we have two sets of games here. We have the uh, we have NFC wildcard implications one, Saints at Falcons, and we have NFC wildcard implications two, Electric Boogaloo. 49ers at Rams. So I'm going to read the scenario off before we make these picks. If the Saints win and the Rams win, the Rams win the NFC West and they are the two seed. The Saints would take the 49ers spot in the playoff and the Saints would be in, the 49ers would be out. If the Rams lose and, you know, the 49ers win because that's the matchup, the Cardinals can win the division if they beat Seattle. And they would become the three seed, and then the Rams would be bounced out. Also, the 49ers would be in, and the Saints would not make it. So we could potentially have three teams from the NFC West in the playoff this year. So, with all that being said, first game, Brad, Saints at Falcons. Who you got? Saints. Without a doubt. Yeah. Easy. 100%. <laughs> have something to play for. Falcons don't. Like, I wrote, a, a, I wrote a sentence for every single one to come up with, like, some sort of Something for the Saints Falcons. I just have Saints. Like not, not even, not hard, not yeah, hard I to mean, do. They're a better team. Like the only thing, the biggest issue with the Saints, they don't have a quarterback. I right. do wonder how good this Saints team could have been if they actually had a, if they had Jameis Winston all year. I know Jameis Winston isn't like crazy good, but he's shown he can be a decent quarterback. And I really thought him being in New Orleans and being under Sean Payton, he. Look like he took steps forward in his development. I really thought, um, I really thought that you know, 
I, I, it kind of was like what could have been like if, if Jameis never got hurt. How much I think the Saints would become more of a lock as a for a uh, wild card slot, but you know we'll never know. Um, all right, game two for these implications: 49ers at Rams. Also, probably one of the better games this week because both teams have stuff to play for still, and these are both two pretty good teams. Who you got, Brad? So I don't know if I believe in Matthew Stafford yet. I can't. I can't say. Come on, he only threw four pick sixes this season. So yeah, not looking great. But that's playoff Stafford. So I, we're not there yet. All right. But I also don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if I believe in San Francisco either. Um, With you know, Jimmy Jesus. Come on. I so I don't know. So. I don't know how to feel about this game. I don't know that I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. I don't know that LA covers the four and a half point spread, but they probably win the game. They probably Damn, win the game. You would take Rams. I would take the Rams. I would take. I would take. If yeah, if I had to pick on this game, I would take the money line. Obviously, we're not. We're just doing picks right now. But I would not. I would yeah. stay clear away from this I'm, spread if I were bet. If I were the taking this game. Well, wow, we are like we only differentiated on two games so far. We suck. All right. No, that's fine. So, uh, hey, you know, the, the picks hey. are only as good as the one who, who lays them out there. So. I was working. Listen, dude, half the game starters aren't playing. So, like, I just don't. Like, I tried to pick the ones that actually mattered somewhat. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's all right. Fair. Sunday night football. You want to hear something interesting about this game? I would love to. So I know you know I told you that the the Steelers and Ravens both needed they needed Indy to lose for either one of them to have a chance right. at making the playoff. Um but if there is a scenario where if Indy loses there is a scenario where neither the Raven, uh neither the Ravens or Steelers get in. So if Indy loses and the Chargers, uh, and the Chargers lose. Uh, the Chargers get in. No, I had that backwards. Uh, I thought uh, now. I, now I can't remember. There, there's another scenario, but the one that's more interesting is if Indy loses, the Chargers and Raiders can both make the playoffs if they tie. Now, here's why that's interesting. Indy plays at one o'clock on Sunday. The Chargers and Raiders play at night Sunday night could we see one of the craziest endings to a season where both teams mutually agree to a tie to get into the playoffs probably not be I think the biggest thing would be like can so if you know the Raiders want to agree because they're in the Chargers would want to win because then they could get a better um, they could get a better seeding. Uh. But I think both could stay put. So could we just see twenty kneels and the game be over? Most likely not. But I do find that to be a hilarious scenario. That's and funny. It would be even funnier if they tied naturally. And just imagine how pissed you'd be if you were like a Pittsburgh fan, and that was what cost your team getting in the playoffs. But anyway, Chargers at, at Raiders, big playoff implications here. Both these teams are win to get in into the into the wild card. Who you got? So, hopefully, and I mean hopefully, 
and he's he's done great for me this uh, this season. And I know that you're wearing the jersey, Herbert. Hopefully he shows up because I swear some games he just not did not look great. But I gotta yeah, take yeah. L.A. There's no hope for 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 Las Vegas right now. No hope. So I gotta say I gotta say Chargers. And I know that you'll pick the Chargers. Like, obviously. Who else would you pick? Chargers. 100% Chargers. <laughs> right. And I'm not I can't... just a fanboy. I genuinely think the Chargers are the better football team. Oh, absolutely. They, they won are. the earlier contest. I think the... But here's the thing. The Raiders are so fucking weird and so inconsistent that they could pull a fucking rabbit out they of their could. ass and they somehow they just totally play could. really well this game. But I'm going to trust in the Chargers and their consistency. They have the offensive output and firepower. Led by this guy, I'll trust the Chargers. Brad, that is who you got. Isn't that right. isn't that great? Don't you love that? We uh, love we that. we did a segment. We did a real radio segment. That's so much fun. I love that. We're on a podcast, but no, you yeah. gotta spice things up, keep it fun. All right, Brad, we have a we have a new segment to we finish do. out the show today. We you do. Want to tell the people about that. The I would un, the currently unnamed segment. So yeah, we don't have a name for this, but we felt that we needed a betting segment in the in the podcast. All right. So here's here's what and here's the deal. All right, we are not to give betting advice. Right. So whatever. All right. But it's fun to to give betting advice. So that's what we're gonna do. Um, and obviously, if you um, you know are betting, then be a you know don't be a, a a dummy and go out and spend all your money. Try to get Only rich quick. Off lose. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so it's just just having fun. Get get invested in some of these games. Um, I have some interesting ones, and I want to go. Um, so so Griff, I want I, I, we're gonna bro- both come to the table with three picks. They can be anything, any sport. Anything with a spread or an over-under or whatever you like. It can be an over-under. It could be a prop bet first to score a touchdown. It could be hockey over. It could be hockey over-unders. And I will judge you on all of that, by the way. You could – I would even accept a parlay (laughs) to do a same-game parlay. Well, some of them are easy. Like if you think this person's going to get – you know, right. you could do Jonathan Taylor gets 27, you know, gets over 50 point something rushing yards. And and you also think Michael Pittman's going to get 15. Uh, like, you know, he's going to get over three and a half receptions, you know, st- stuff like that. Lots of fun right. stuff with betting. Like I said, just be careful with your money. people. Right. Um, so, Griff, I want to know what you don't have what number, you but I want you to come to the table with your three. Let's go. All right. Normally, I'm the king of the over. You always root for the over. I love points in football. Always root for the over. I root for it in hockey. I root for the over in football. More points, more goals is fun. I didn't do a hockey pick just because I wasn't feeling any this week. So I'm doing all football. First, so again, normally I'm the king of the over, but my first pick is going to be an under. Chiefs, Broncos. 44 and a half is the spread is the is the over under I'm taking the under on that 40 un, under 44 my reasoning the Broncos can't put can't produce offense 
if it fucking hit them in the face. This team is so offensively that they are offensive on the offense. It is so bad. And that's what happens when you give Pat Shermer the reins on your offensive play calling. Um, former Giants uh, head coach. He's he's awful. So, yeah, the Chiefs will probably score, you know, the Chiefs could score 30, but I don't think the Broncos can score 14. So I'm going to take the under on Broncos Chiefs 44. Uh, would you like me to do my other two, or are we kind of? I would. You know, right? actually, let's let's alternate. Let's try and see out, see out, right. see how we like that. All right. So my and my first one is a doozy. All right. We all know that I'm in love with. It I just, is the. Best. I just looked at the show sheet to see what it is. So, oh my god. <laughs> Please don't, don't judge me for this. So, all right. I, we all love the FCS champion. I can't finish. Get it. through the second. Come on, move along. Stop All right, we got Keep we got the FCS championship game. All right, Montana okay. State and North Dakota State. All right, Montana State and North this. Dakota State. North Dakota State. North Dakota State. One of the best FCS schools out there. They love beating FBS schools. They should probably be in the FBS. They have should, beaten really? a lot of FBS schools in big upsets. Anyway, um, so I want to and I want to put this down. All right. So here's five keys to the game. All right. So North Dakota State and Montana State both rank number one and two in the 128 member FCS in fewest points. All right. Per game. So North Dakota State is allowing 11.2 points per game. Montana State 13.4. North Dakota State is insane against the run. All right, they allow 82.7 yards per game, which is number three in FCS. Montana State, they have a um, a defensive base that's that's insane against the pass. Um, they have 15 sacks and seven interceptions in the last four games. Um, so anyway, with that said, um, Montana State needs to like stop the run. You know, obviously they're great against the pass. They need to stop the run. The uh and North Dakota State ranks number three in the FCS in rushing yards per game. Um, and then also uh they have an effective um like they're getting players back, you know, all that stuff said. Anyway, so I think the defense is going to be sort of the like I, I, if I had to take the under on a game, I would. And I think that the point differential is what stands out the most to me in a close game. If the game is close, it'll come down to fourth quarter plays and North Dakota state has the best point differential in the fourth quarter at plus 91 and allowed 2.1 points on average, which is number one in the FCS, giving up zero in three playoff wins. Montana State has only allowed seven fourth quarter points in three playoff wins and is plus 63 for the season. And so, again, I think that this is going to come down to defense. I think that you could see this game be very low scoring, 21-14, Whatever the point spread, however, is uh, what is it? Hold on, let me let me pull it up real seven quick. And a, half. a seven and a half, seven and a half for uh, for North Dakota State. 
I got North Dakota State winning this game, obviously, like, again, by a touchdown, but very easily said with that point differential, 10-point game gets you the uh, the gets you North Dakota State covering the spread. North Dakota State wins this game. Again, take the spread. Oh, God, I'm out of I break. know. That I'm sorry for breaking so down an FCS game, Griff. I, I don't – listen, I appreciate the level of research. I respect that, honestly. I really do. I really, really do. Um, I no, I don't hate it. I honestly would probably also bet the same thing. Um, for the, I don't follow FCS a lot, but your reason, <laughs> I would have leaned North Dakota State on that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Your actually, your data actually would make me feel more confident. That's so, perfect. No, genuinely love that. Good job. Um, all right, the king of the over is back. I know I'm a dirty, rotten bastard because I said I took the over. Or I took the under and Chiefs Broncos. But if you've seen the Broncos play offense, they're not good at it. I'm not trusting them to put up even 14 points. Okay. Chargers, Raiders, over 49 and a half. This is a game I could easily, easily see being a 27-24 victory for the Chargers or the Raiders. Um like it just feel like I'm gonna hold up. Let me pulling up the the stat I had. Uh, so earlier in the year, twenty eight fourteen was the final. Um, let me pull up Pro Football Index. So here's the previous matchups in like just the last two years. Thirty to twenty seven, thirty one twenty six, twenty four seventeen. That would be the under. 24-26, also the over. Uh, 30-10, 34-31, like we're, we're seeing 29-37. These teams score a lot of points when they're together, and the fact that both of these teams have offensive, big offensive weapons with obviously Justin Herbert has Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and the Raiders, Derek Carr has shown he can – score four touchdowns in the game. Josh Jacobs is a very good running back. Um, Receiver-wise, you know, they have some big play guys. You have Darren Waller if he's healthy. Um, so with all that combined, it, it gives me the hope that, you know, especially with their recently how much how many points this, this rivalry has scored, I think that they can get to 50. I think we can see, like I said, a 31-26, a 27-24, I think we get there. So I'm going to go over 49 and a half Chargers Raiders. Wow. Love that for you. So I good. Root for points. Come on. Yeah, root for points. I always do. I mean, uh, points are always good. Um, you know, Griff, the second no one game. Likes rooting for the under. So here's my issue. All right. And I, and I was hoping, well, this isn't really your fault. Well, um, so I was, so I was hoping that we get to this pick before 9 PM, you know, so it really makes no sense now, but I have Texas tech and Iowa state. Um, oh, I, <laughs> which is, is going on right now. literally right now. Like the game is going on. Um, I had the, uh, over, um, 120, I think it's, uh, over under is 127 and that's what I had. Um, but what's the score right now? Uh, it's Wednesday. It's 15 to four and Texas tech is not looking great. So maybe the under might've been the play. I don't know. 
but you can't bet that anymore. So twenty seven's not a lot. No. Well, in college basketball, no. That's like seventy points per team, right? Or something like that, like ish, right? That's like sixty five or so, right? Something like that. Um, so it's not no, it's not a lot. I think it's sixty three points per team. And so like saying that'd be like if they win seventy to 60 or something but that's the thing right like the game is 11 versus 25 like i'm not you know what i mean like like i would expect to see a lot of points out of that it'd be like you know 100 to 90 or something like that you know what i mean like that those are the top scoring like high scoring matchups that you expect from a ranked matchup and that's kind of what i'm expecting i mean michigan state and nebraska you know, Michigan State played a homeless team today, and they, yeah. you know, they hit 127. So, yeah, you know, not not a lot of points to expect out of that. And both teams only have three combined losses. Anyway, Griff, go on. Fair enough. All right. Finally, we have the FCS. Sorry, FCS. The CFP. I got my acronyms wrong. You got all that FCS shit in my brain with the FCS championship. <laughs> yeah, sure. We have the C- college football playoff national title game, Georgia Bama, over 52 points. Now, 52, that's a lot of points, Griff. That's a lot of points to try and get over on. Yeah, maybe for you. But here's, here's why I'm taking the over, Brad. Do you know? what some of the final scores have been and let's just you want to look at know what the final scores have been in just the college football playoff era yeah i would love to know by the way this website's kind of funny it has the you know the uh championship mvp listed as ezekiel elliott elliott quarterback (laughs) not great but anyway um we have Last year, 52-24. 2019, 42-25. 2018, 44-16, when Clemson just whooped Alabama. 2017, 26-23. 2016, 35-31. 2015, 45-40. And 2014, 42-20. Every single year except one. One, they didn't get to 50. And even the year that they didn't get to 50, they got to 49. It was three points short of the over. Give me the... Give me the over. I know the defenses are good. I know Georgia's defense is very good. But, man, we've, we already saw in the SEC title game, we saw a preview. Uh, when I saw 52, I thought, hammer. This is an absolute lock. This would be my lock of the week if we did that. 100, 100% over on this. And that is, those are my bets for the week, Bradford. That's who I got. Do you know who, do you know who I have? Who is that? My last, my last pick. You know who I got? I got the Packers and the Lions. Do you remember when I said that? The Packers 
Like, this is a no-brainer for me. And I don't know if, like, Aaron Rodgers not being questionable or playing will increase that spread at all. I would pick the game if it was a seven-point spread. I mean, if at that point, I'd just take the money line. I mean, at that point. Because I don't know if the spread would be, you know. But, like, again, right. you know. Because I guess at that point, you might want to pick the Lions. But at two and a half, like, that's nothing. You know, like I can't, I can't, I don't know. Like I, I might even, if I felt frisky, yeah. I might take the, in a 10 point spread or whatever, you know, but like, I can't see the lions walking out of this game with a, with a W no way. So Packers two and a half, yeah. easy, easy, I, easy I money. Either. My, easy my money. My big thing is just like, it's just doubting the, you know, how you, it's an unproven thing with the backups, but right. I agree with you. It, it's just too much. I, right. I, I would probably lean that way as well. So, so um, Griff, exciting news, real quick. Exciting news. Yeah. Insane news. Michigan State won. Despite the turnovers, despite everything, they won their basketball games uh, 27 minutes ago it ended because um, it's 9.27 p.m. We did Congrats. a two-hour show today. So here's my thing, though. Like, so he opened – here's how he opened his press game, and I love Tom Izzo for this, okay? But Tom Izzo opens his press game by asking the media who is available to play against Michigan on Saturday and who will not turn the ball over. See, this is what I just love about Tom Izzo is he just doesn't give a shit. He is, like, uncanny charisma. I just love him. You know, like, just asking media personnel to just, who wants to play? I'll dress you. No big deal. Huh. <laughs> like, no problem. You know? Not a, not an issue. Non-issue for that. He is the best when it comes to that. Ugh, but. So, yeah. Michigan I State. Michigan. love for Sparty. Michigan State plays Michigan on Saturday. That will be exciting. So, no, nope, not that. for me. <laughs> not for me. Yeah, well, well, you know, and I, is not it like a loss of players for them? I don't want to get into a deep dive. We're not going to do that. But like, is it a loss for players? You know, it's. You gotta think know. it's gotta maybe. Be. I I just don't pay much attention to basketball. They put, like, and that's not to be like it doesn't matter. I just you know I watched the Final Four last year, and I just kind of go out of off other people say because i don't follow it like most of the right. time like football you can tell i do a lot more of my own looking into things and like right. watching players analysis thing i just don't do that with basketball so well and like I, I don't like know. you gotta think like look at this matchup so michigan state has won their last five they're they only lost their last game was against baylor only two games they've lost has been to to top five opponents but you look at the last five, right. Michigan and Michigan State kind of have identical schedules. Like, they got three Big Ten teams, one non-Power um, 5 team. Well, I guess it's it's technically not really – you can't really measure the same way Brett. in college basketball. Brett. But Brett. but they're identical. And Michigan put up 100 points against Nebraska. So I don't know what, what, you, what you would expect from, you know. I don't know. Mich I Michigan will go – Michigan uh, will be 7-7. Seven and seven. If they uh, lose to Michigan State, which will be insane, we'll see what happens when we get closer to March and with all that. But Thanks until then, comes. I don't know. I guess we'll just keep an eye on it. So, anyway, that has been take this. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Hopefully your bets hit. Hopefully your teams make the playoffs. If you're you know unlike me and Brad and actually have a competent organization to root for. Um, 
you know, go dogs on Monday. Uh, you know, a lot of exciting football this weekend, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. So, um, Brad, it's been a great it's been great talking with you as always. People, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week, and don't forget, make your free throws. <laughs>